you guys. The Goonies is coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, this is both of us, I believe, Tommy. Both of us had never seen The Goonies until a couple hours ago. Yeah, uh, never seen this before. So this is also uh, the third Richard Donner movie we've covered. So he's the director we've talked about the most on this podcast. So So it's Lethal Weapon. Yeah. And uh, Scrooge, uh, an episode that uh, we beg you not to revisit because that was us getting you know, our feet wet into the podcasting world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can revisit it so you can see how much better we've gotten at podcasting, but I yep. would not recommend that to be your impression of what we can accomplish <laughs> on the podcast because that ain't it, Chief, you know? Yeah, that was a year ago. You know, we were a little podcasting newbies back then, but uh, this is a fun little movie, so uh, we'll talk <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a fun, cute little movie. But uh, Tommy, I heard you saw another cute little movie in the theaters this weekend. Yeah, uh, I saw uh, Megan. Uh, you know, the killer doll movie or killer robot movie, I guess rather. That's been uh, sweeping the nation all over. Uh, it was a really fun movie. Um, James Wan uh, made up the story right there, and it was one of those movies that like it's a horror movie, but it's not scary. It's very much a gateway PG thirteen horror movie. And I'd say it's more of a horror comedy more than anything. And just the robot itself, Megan, is just so fucking hilarious. And just seeing that robot like stare out at characters creepily is just like one of those things that's like kind of uncomfortable, but just funny at the same time. It's like ridiculous. And like a little spoiler, but the robot sings Titanium by Sia at one point. And it was one of the most fucking bizarre things I've seen in the movie in a while. So if you want a good movie with like, you know, a little minor scares and just like just bonkers, just crazy little horror comedy, I highly recommend seeing Megan. <laughs> So it was like, it's just, it's a fun, it sounds like it's fun. Don't take it seriously, but it's killing it at the box office from what I understand. And our, with Avatar 2, our our movie's back. Like, do you remember last year when we were covering Spider-Man, whatever way home that was, because they're, they, they all have the name home in them and they're all terrible titles for movies. Like we were talking about how that might have saved theaters after COVID, but like people are going back to the theaters again. I I think that as long as you're not fucking Babylon, people want to go see your movie. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I mean, I think the theaters have been back now for a little a little while. I mean, at this point, you know, we've gotten sequels to movies that came out last year. Like they're doing a sequel to Scream because that did so well last year. I mean, Megan is like doing so great that they already greenlit the sequel for Megan Two Point I mean, Avatar 2, I still haven't gone around to seeing it because it's a three-hour movie, but I'll, I'll get to it eventually. But James Cameron definitely has helped the theater the theatricals experience. <laughs> he, he's he got the juice, man. Would it say yeah. what you will about the guy? Yeah. Um, what was it? I, was, I heard a clip, and it was talking about when the original Avatar came out, people were having Avatar withdrawals <laughs> from the world of Pandora because it's so primal and it's such like innately in our human dna to live like that that people were having like that kind of experience with the movie is there something i missed with avatar because like i rewatched it back in september i went to go see like, the theatrical release of avatar and the whole entire time i was just like this movie is fucking sh- like shit 
Like, I, I, did, I did not like Avatar whatsoever. And like, I remember when I saw it in theaters back in the day in 2009, I thought the same thing. So I guess I'm missing out on the Avatar experience. <laughs> Tommy, you're just such a homebody that like anything to do with the outdoors just terrifies you to your core. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, God, nature was this shit. <laughs> oh, God, nature. Like, where am I going to plug in my Xbox? I need that. <laughs> Can't have that for Tommy. I, I will say, because I guess this is just going to be us briefly discussing Avatar 2, which I did see. Um, It's a lot more about, like, like, family and family ties. And I think that's kind of the weight of it. And the CG of the water is legitimately incredible. So he should have made Aquaman just like an entourage. <laughs> yes, he should have made on Aquaman just like an entourage. Yeah, <laughs> he should have. He should have direct. He should have been in charge of the MCU. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, just give it to fuck John Favreau. Give it to James Cameron. <laughs> Seriously, I mean that guy's got Avatar was like it, it was like a joke for a decade because it was like it came out. It made two billion dollars, and then it was like okay, there's the Avatar sequel is coming eventually. And then it took 12 years for a movie that nobody really wanted a sequel for. Like there was, there's, there was like no hype for the sequel of this. Yeah. And then it just made $2 billion. Again. Well, it's so funny though. Cause it's the same thing where like, I don't know any of my friends other than you, Timmy, that like are telling me like talk about Avatar 2. No one talks about it. No one is like, oh yeah, I saw Avatar 2 over the weekend. It's just not there. There's no like internet presence for it. I mean, I guess, you know, obviously the world's not just what is on social media, but still, just I'm not seeing the Avatar 2 discourse at all. <laughs> I'm seeing it. There's there's a good av- positive Avatar 2 discourse. Um, there's also a theory that I saw circulating that like theaters are printing, like if you're going to another movie, they'll be like, oh, we I saw a thing on with the original Avatar, uh, some TikTok, and some lady was like, I went to go see the Princess and the Frog, and they were like, oh. We can't print tickets of that, but I'm going to print you a ticket of Avatar and you can go tell them that you actually are going to see Princess and the Frog and they'll just rip the ticket. <laughs> so, you know, theaters are just uh, like standing really hard for fucking uh, James Cameron, too. <laughs> I don't know. That just sounds so stupid. Yeah, that's like, why what will they get out of that? <laughs> Unless James Cameron is the Illuminati, like we think it's this just kebab of people and it's really just James Cameron trying to get people to just to get his avatar movies greenlit could be i mean if you you know the last three movies you made were the biggest box office hits of their time then you know maybe something's up in the the, in the water right there <laughs> it's in the way of the water <laughs> it, it's it's the way of the water yeah i i don't know avatar 2 was fine it was fun yeah. i had a good time it was a little too long I won't yeah, i'll get over onto it no you won't yeah, not even eventually. when it's on home, not not even when it's on home home media. Oh yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, I, on my letterbox this year, when I resaw like the first Avatar, I literally was just like, "Fuck this movie!" I gave like a one star or like one and a half star. I was just like, "I wow. don't fucking care." Wow, I, I'm that much. I'm that much of a hater on Avatar. <laughs> you gave Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice <laughs> two stars, and you Avatar is a, simply a better movie than that, Tommy. I mean, objectively, yes, but I did not feel the need to fall asleep during Batman v Superman. I mean, I might be the only person to say that, but. <laughs> well, it's hard to sleep in a movie that's that loud, but you did fall asleep during the bank heist in Heat. Which we'll have to cover because, like we said, I-, I fell asleep during that movie. <laughs> yeah, we do have to cover Heat. That move. Oh. Yeah. We're Get ready. Covering <laughs> heat. Well, the- speaking of Kihi Ki- Kwan. And I guess we'll just put this out here because we're just talking about it right now. We got to do uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 
We haven't seen that either. The, we got to hit the trifecta of the Kihi Kwan. Because we did everything everywhere all at once when it came out last year. So, I mean, it's great. This is my first kid uh, Kihi Kwan movie. <laughs> and we got one more for you to really hit. And then I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of Kihi Kwan as a kid, he was Data in The Goonies. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. More things happen in this movie than in six ordinary action films, says Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. The Goonies is awesome adventure. Indy Jones, look out, says Pat Collins of the CBS Morning News. Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. The Goonies. Now playing at selected theaters near you, consult your local listings. Why don't you just miss consulting your local listings, Tommy? Oh, the movie phone guy. <laughs> Those were the days. Remember the substitute teacher we had who could do the movie phone voice guy? Oh, uh, uh, vaguely. <laughs> we had vaguely. a substitute teacher that would be able to do like the hello, welcome to movie phone, but like do it pretty spot on. But yeah. I also don't really There's... remember what the movie phone guy sounds like. Or the Seinfeld episode where Kramer pretends yeah, that's to the, one. the movie phone guy. Remember that too. That's the main one I remember. Uh, so one thing I want to touch upon with the trailer was uh, when I was watching this movie about how much in jokes there are of Richard Donner's previous movies, Steven Spielberg's previous movies, uh, Christopher Columbus's even uh, previous movies because Christopher Columbus wrote this. Mm-hmm. Like just right there, how they had the Goonies reference right there, and just like oh what like those creatures that multiply when you get them wet, and then also like how um, that's Gremlins. Gremlins, but I said Goonies. Yeah, you said a Goonies reference in the Goonies. And I was like, no, they do no, call themselves yeah, the Goonies a good, a good amount of times. Yeah, it's yeah. Gremlins. No, uh, Gremlins, Gremlins reference, which is an amazing movie. But um, and also how Sloth at one point was uh, had the Superman shirt, and immediately they did the Richard the, Donner uh, Superman John Williams score right there, yeah. which I thought was a good touch. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that one too. Yeah, Goonies was interesting to watch as a 29 year old man. I will <laughs> say. Yeah. So this movie. Time. Do you think? I think this movie kind of like missed missed the mark for us. For like, we were just a little bit too old. Like, we probably should have seen this when we were like little kids. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Because the the biggest strength and the biggest weakness of this movie, and I had heard this like going in. I think this is kind of its reputation now. If you saw this movie as a kid, it's a beloved childhood favorite of yours. And if you mm-hmm. watch it at an, as an adult, you'll be like, "What the fuck's going on?" And the biggest yeah. reason for that is the language of the children and the way they communicate, because it is very spot on well, to how kids communicate. I also felt like the sound mix on this was terrible because the score was just blasting over their dialogue while they're all talking over each other. And I'm oh, just yeah. staring at the screen like, like what, what is going like, wh- like, what are they talking about? But they're all kind of like, if you peel into each kid when they're talking, they're all having their own little dialogues. Like they're all just very like self-centered and not really having like a comprehensive co- conversation. And if you've ever hung around a group of children, that's usually what it's like where mm-hmm. they're just kind of all in like four different dimensions, just speaking, not coherently back and forth, just kind of saying whatever the hell's on their mind. It makes sense. But I mean, like you said, like this is one of those things that like uh, I really would that I turn on the subtitles for this movie because there's some points where I was just lost and I was just like, what the fuck are the kids saying right here? Like, what, what's going on right now? Because like you said, the sound mix was kind of awful where it was just like, you couldn't really understand what they were saying and just like subtitles would have helped me more immensely in this movie and if I ever rewatch this, I probably will at some point. Subtitles are going on immediately. <laughs> 
yeah, subtitles are going on immediately. He, it just, yeah, it, it it's chaotic. That's what I texted you like right after I finished yeah. watching it. It's like this movie is chaotic, and you replied back. That's putting it lightly. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the feel for it, and not in a Babylon sense of chaos. This is like an amateur chaos, but it, I think it gives the movie a charm though to mm. it that like since the story is so simple you kind of do know what's going on mm-hmm. but at the same time you have no fucking clue what's going on yeah because it's just kids bouncing off each other i mean the chemistry between the kids is good despite what we're saying right here i mean you can definitely see the parallels of why like this is such a big influence on stranger things i mean generally this is like the prototype of the stranger things type model <laughs> yeah but like you know I- but as I said, I said it's a pro and a con, right? And like why watching this at eight, nine, ten years old, it would feel like at home to you because there probably hasn't been a movie at that you could watch at that age that naturally gets like the, the language of children down so well. Because I think a lot of times when you watch a movie and there's kids in it, it's written like a 45-year-old thinking what kids would write. But this feels like they had loose mm-hmm. guidelines for the kids. And just kind of told them to ramble a little bit. This is definitely in the eighties era of like, you know, previous movie we covered ET, um, or very similar vibe to it within itself. Where like, you know, just focus on the kids. And ET, I feel like had realistic dialogue. I mean, obviously we have the Spielberg uh connection between both both of them. So I mean, you know, Steven Spielberg, I was shocked to say that it was a story by Steven Spielberg. I thought he just produced it. So I didn't realize how much of a hand he had in this movie. Uh to the point that apparently Sean Astin said in his autobiography that uh, Richard Donner and Spielberg apparently co-directed this movie. Um, so really? that's another. That's what Sean Astin was saying. So this is another thing of Spielberg producing a movie, just like Poltergeist, where there's a rumor that like did the guy who directed this movie actually directed, or is it Steven Spielberg? Uh, I mean, I think it's a Donner movie. I, I wonder yeah. with Spielberg, it's because like this is him like full at full power, 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what? What's the story of Roger Rabbit with Spielberg where um, he basically got Disney and Warner Brothers to agree to allow Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny to be on the screen together because Spielberg was producing it. And yeah, Zemeckis, he, like, like that was four years later. Like Steven Spielberg had a lot of influence and a lot of sway. And I imagine Steven Spielberg on a set, I can imagine him being really good at directing the children around, but letting Don hmm. are kind of like have the pace of the action, but it, it felt Spielbergian, like even the action and like the score and everything. Like it didn't really feel like other Richard Donner movies. Yeah. It, it's definitely a little bit of a different vibe than like the lethal weapon and like Scrooge and like even Superman. I mean, he doesn't really have that type of vibe and you can definitely feel the influence in hand that Spielberg has at this. Um, apparently Richard Donner said uh, that the difficulties and pleasures of working with so many child actors. And he's like, yeah, their energy and excitement was amazing. But these kids were also so unruly when they were together. Um, and you can kind of see it on the screen right there. <laughs> yeah, they're so unruly, but and but it gives it a very natural charm. And I like when you speak to anybody that's in their 40s, so like an earlier millennial or like a you know, an early millennial or Gen X, they all love the Goonies. They they sing its praises. Like so much media from the mm-hmm. mid 2000 like the two during the 2000s is influenced by the goonies like this movie has a lasting impact for people yeah there is a point there is a point of no return for this movie when you're watching it for the first time as an adult yeah i I 
definitely agree. And like, you know, in terms of lasting impact, uh, this definitely has a lasting impact for fat kids. Cause even I remember in middle school, again, I'd being told to do the trouble shuffle. And I was like, the fuck is that? It's like, you haven't watched the Goonies. You do the trouble shuffle right now, fatty. <laughs> Tommy, can you do the truffle shuffle right now? Yeah, this is he, great for an audio podcast. <laughs> Tommy just started rubbing his nipples brazenly on the screen right uh, now. Oh my God. Tommy. Oh yeah. You're, you're missing a shell right here. <laughs> I guess we have to just get the video version of the podcast this, out immediately. This is- this is how the YouTube version of the podcast happens because people need to see me doing the truffle shuffle. <laughs> we need to see that beautiful chest of yours, baby. But yeah, the so on the kids, Chunk was the best kid without even a question. Easily. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'd be between him or Data. <laughs> yeah. And the I had to pull this clip because this is the clip that had me laughing is when the Fratellis kidnap uh, Chunk and they make him confess they're like, you got to tell us everything. And his confession is just so hilarious. Hey, kid, I want you to spill your guts. Tell us everything. 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 Okay, I'll talk. In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my Uncle Max's toupee and I glued it on my face when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. In fifth grade, I knocked my sister Edie down the stairs and I blamed it on the time my mom sent me to a, to a summer camp for fat kids. And it was during lunch, I got nuts and I pinged down and they kicked me out. But the worst thing I ever done, I mixed up all this fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, this is it, I made a noise like this. And then I dumped it over the side. Oh, and all the people in the audience, then, then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. Mom, they're gonna like this kid, Mom. <laughs> Hit puree! No! I'm too young! No! I want to play the violin! <laughs> Not my hand! Because in my opinion, that is just so funny. It is pure kid behavior yeah because they're like so if you've never seen the goonies before the plot of it is that all these houses are foreclosing in the town and mikey i thought it was just the one house no i think it's all of the houses because but it's like represented by one house because i got that they're looking to make like a development in that okay, area right. it's not just like the one house it's like all these kids houses that live in the bond dock boondocks or whatever they call it and they go on an adventure to find uh, One-Eyed Willie's treasure, and gets it, which is guarded by the Fratelli crime gang's fortress, aka an abandoned shack that used to be a restaurant. Also, can we talk about how hilarious the beginning of the movie was when the, he breaks one of the Fratellis breaks out of the jail, and it's literally like the biggest joke of a set I've ever seen for a county jail, like. Like, county jails are, like, pretty secure places, relatively. Like, not full, not maximum security prisons. But this was, like, a sheriff station that they just put county jail sign on. And he, like, fakes, hangs himself, and just, like, walks out. And they light fluid around the perimeter of it. And I was just like, this is the most unrealistic thing, but it kind of works for the 
charm and the tone of the movie. Mm. The whimsical aspect of it. And I did like how like, they cut between like the actual chase and then like the the random TV that Corey Feldman was watching <laughs> in between that. That was a little good directing editing uh, choice right there. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think um, <clears throat> you know, Chunk and then his relationship with Sloss sloth who was played by what john matuzic he was a football player for the uh oakland and los angeles raiders in the 80s from the 70s and the 80s with that mask like mm-hmm. that is an iconic performance and, and makeup i feel like everybody's seen that sloth mm-hmm. before even if you haven't seen the goonies that's definitely like the last one of the lasting images that and uh obviously chunk doing the truffle shuffle <laughs> chunk so. doing the truffle shuffle too and then you have the love story between um, between Josh Brolin as Brand and and who is it Andy Carrie Green? Yeah, uh, the one thing I loved about that was just how in the beginning of the movie how horny they were. Were like they're just in the middle of like an abandoned shack and they kept on like just wanting to just make out right in the moment. And it's like guys, it's more pressing things ahead. Like get yourselves off each other. Come on, what are you doing here? Also, they were like she was dating the bully of the movie. Um, who's like barely in the movie yeah um and then it turns out at the end like the guy the developers the real estate developers that's his dad mm. yeah just and, and like they just like randomly threw that on at the end because they had to have him there at the end scene i feel like the bully was just like randomly written out of the movie like i kind of missed the point where like he wasn't with um the cheerleader and like her friend <laughs> where i was yeah, like what like, they what like happened? ran because like so sean Aston and then his um who plays Mikey, who I was like the whole time, I'm like, when is Sean Astin coming into this movie? And I didn't realize it was like 11-year-old Sean Astin. I thought it was like Rudy John at Sean Astin because I did not have the gap of those movies accurately figured <laughs> out. It was, It's like, this is 1985 and that was 1993. So a little, <laughs> little bit of a time gap there. Sean Astin could look a little bit younger in this one. What what was the movie he was in? We were talking about it. Um, where he played it's oh, Die Hard uh, in the uh in the high school. Toy Soldiers. Toy, Toy Soldiers. Like that's the Sean. That's the Sean Aston I was like looking for in this movie, and I didn't realize I was staring at him the entire time. <laughs> I mean, he does look a lot different in that, and you can see why. I mean, obviously, like him being in Stranger Things season two was just a nod to this movie. Obviously. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, he looks so much different as like a little kid. Yeah, he looks very different as a kid. And they find um, a treasure map in his attic for the buried treasure of the pirate One-Eyed Willie. And then they get into a whole bunch of hijinks under this house, which is, it's literally like five different sets, like underneath the house. It's about like four or five of them. Uh, and then <laughs> from there, uh, they find the the pirate ship. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have such mixed feelings about this movie, man. I'm like sitting here, like trying to like form comprehensive thoughts about the Goonies. And on one hand, and all you're thinking, is just like these fucking kids. <laughs> yeah, no, but like on one hand, I'm like, oh, I see the charm and I see the appeal. But on the other hand, I was like, this movie gave me a headache, and I don't know <laughs> what's what the right take is here on the Goonies. Did, did this like question if you ever wanted to have kids or not? We're like, fuck, I. Thought- the Goonies kids and I, I think I'm out <laughs> no no I definitely want to have kids still but yeah. it just made me it, it just I, it's more about how I feel about the movie and not about like I'm very unsure 
Like in terms of like, I'm thinking like in the mm-hmm. future, I'm like, oh, what are we, like, what am I going to rate this at the end of the podcast, which I'm not going to do now. And I don't know what I'm going to give this movie. I don't know. Yeah. You're going to wait until I overrate it a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, I, uh, Tommy, your scale, your scale <laughs> is beautiful. I got to be honest. It's just an appreciation and love of movies. And I just got to tip my cap yeah. to it. You so, like everything. And that's beautiful, man. Except for Avatar or Dune, apparently. So, I mean, as, as we discussed earlier. <laughs> Avatar, Dune, and The Lord of the Rings. Those are the big three. <laughs> apparently fuck your fantasy epics um so I, I this movie i liked it i liked it but i mean it, it, there was a point where like it was kind of confusing like i said like having subtitles on would have definitely helped with this where like it just felt a little bit weird to um pull um i did like the villains and uh, you know christopher columbus wrote this movie and he also directed and um you know home alone and i can very much see Marvin Albert and Joey Pantoni and um, the other guy, whoever's name is Robert Davy, like they definitely had a Marvin Albert vibe to him, and you could definitely see like the kind of connection right there between the two. Well, you know what else Chris Columbus directed, right? Yeah, Harry Potter. He, yeah, he, he directed the first two when they were little little kids, uh, the mm-hmm. Sorcerer's Stone and the Chamber of Secrets, and then the guy that originally played Dumbledore died, and then he was like, "I'm out." And then they had to recast Dumbledore, which ended up working, I think, to to those movies' credit when they started to get more serious. Those are other movies I fucking hate. So, I mean, like I said, fantasy epics, fuck them. <laughs> uh, not not Harry Potter fan. We're not going to cover any Harry Potter movies on this pod. <laughs> Wait, have you ever seen Prisoner of Azkaban, though? Because it's a legit good movie. Um, I've only seen one, two, and five, and I hated all of them. <laughs> well, five is probably the worst movie of the Harry Potter series. Prisoner of Azkaban is legitimately good. I'm going to make a case for Prisoner of Azkaban. It's Alfonso okay. Cuarón. He he directed it. Yep. It's like it's a movie. It's it's a film. It's a movie. Yeah. Well, I, I remember a five but the, well, I got dragged to go see it cuz we're in a, a summer camp back then and we it was a rainy day so they took us to go to the movies. It was we could go see Transformers, which I already saw, but I was like, "Fuck yeah, I want to go see Transformers again." Or I could go see Harry Potter 5 and everyone voted for Harry Potter 5 and I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> To Terrible. be fair, you probably made the right decision because Harry Potter movies are, without a question, better than Transformers. I had a better time at Transformers than I did in Harry Potter 5. But granted, this is also 7th grade me, but I think also a 28-year-old me would probably have the same thing. Like I said, fuck Harry Potter. <laughs> you, uh, are but just, anyways, you are on a hater brigade today, my friend. Oh my <laughs> god, what is going on with you? Have a couple drinks of me and then uh, Hater Tommy comes out. Apparently that's what's happening. I I don't think people realize that like when Tommy and I, because we're both very competitive people, if we get together and we play games, like there is a true Mario baseball rivalry that lives between us. This is kind of this is kind of how like we started the podcast where we're thinking like, hey, like what if we just did that, but as a podcast? Or um we'll play Mario baseball to the point that um I'll just troll the fuck out of Timmy. And Timmy will get so mad and worked up that our friends like legitimately think that Timmy's about to punch me in the face because of how much of an asshole I'm being to Timmy. <laughs> you are, uh, you are, Tommy is without a question <laughs> the worst winner of all time. Like Tommy <laughs> wins, and there's just something about him where he has this unpunchable face, but it takes, but then he like gloats and he just has this weird, goofy laugh at the end. And you're just like, I want to punch you in the face, man. You, you just need, you need a shiner in the face. But then you do this dumb grin and you're just like, I can't punch, I can't punch this in the face. 
it's it's my little charm. It's how I got avoided. Uh, never been punched in the face before. So actually, that's not true, but a different story. <laughs> well, how are you punched in the face? I feel like this is ah. good. This is good for the Goonies episode because this is kind of the dialogue of the movie where it's just incoherent nonsense. Um, I uh, eh, not, don't want to bring it up the pot. I'll tell you off, Mike. <laughs> Oh, um oh you tease i'll, I'll get yeah, i'll get yeah, it yeah. out listeners i will get it out of tommy on the podcast yeah <laughs> okay that's the end of the episode tommy i stopped recording not yeah. no, spill the spill the beans exactly yeah no no it's not recording right now it's like trust me that's how <laughs> trust me dude it's not recording um, right now yeah it's not recorded <laughs> okay so the goonies we should keep, keep talking about the goonies um what did you think of sean astin's performance as mikey because he is the lead character he's the one that that's the leader. He's the one that's most invested in finding the treasure. He even give when they have a an out at the the coin fountain. Uh, the bully is going to pull him up uh, the the bucket, and I'm like, there is no way that eight kids are getting out of that tunnel on a bucket mm-hmm. without that thing breaking. But Mikey yeah. gives them a very impassioned speech to stay. sky it'll be over another town the next time you take a test it'll be in some other school our parents they want the best of stuff for us but right now they gotta do what's right for them because it's their time their time up there down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. That's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. See, there is something to that speech where it is just like, that's exactly how a kid would talk. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that he was good in this movie, but of all the kid characters, he was the least interesting. Yeah, but um, that's 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 protagonist syndrome. Like your exactly. prota- your protagonist is always the least interesting character. They just kind of have to be because you need yeah the you need somebody in the audience to relate to and to kind of keep you grounded into the story. And that's what a protagonist's job is. Exactly. So I mean, like within that confines, I mean, he still gave a good performance in that speech right there. It was pretty like powerful. Just like you know, telling about all the Goonies, and I did like that little scene where he slipped. Um, Andy, uh, you know, a little kiss right there. <laughs> She's like, "What? Yeah, braces, Josh Brolin." And he's like, "What were you talking about?" <laughs> oh yeah, that. But that was so weird because because she calls for him to like they're like taking a pee break and she calls for uh, Josh Brolin to come over, and then he sends the brother over, and she's just like, "Close your eyes," and they make out, and then mm-hmm. the other girlfriend that was there, who's she was the only one that had nothing to do the entire movie. Steph. She was just the one to be like, yeah, fuck this situation. <laughs> yeah, played by Martha Pimpleton, who was just like, you know, next time you kiss him, keep, keep your eyes open. And yeah. like, didn't yeah, tell was, her she, friend she that happening. She, she made out with an 11-year-old. And so funny at the end of the movie that like, instead of just being like, hey, you little fucking creep, she's like, hey, you're a good kisser. <laughs> Girls like, are going to go crazy for you in a couple of years. It's like... Aren't you Instead guys like, like seven? Hey, like, you aren't you guys kiss? like? Aren't you guys like seventeen years old? Weird gap. Um, oh, also, yeah. Corey Feldman is mouth, um, who speaks pretty fluent Spanish, and then they have the uh, 
when they're packing up the house at the beginning of the movie and uh, Mrs. Walsh, played by Mary Ellen Trainer, comes in and, and she has uh, Corey Feldman, played by Mouth, um, translate for them. And he's just telling her all incorrect shit. Like, she's like, yeah, please don't yeah. go up into the attic. That's Mr. Walsh's stuff. He wouldn't appreciate it being touched. And he's like, that's where... And then he just says in Spanish to the to the lady... That's the where yep. uh, he keeps all his sex to- torture devices upstairs in that ladder. She's just like, "Hi, Dios mío," praying. <laughs> like that was <laughs> like, funny. That was funny and like gen. Like again, it's like this weird balance of like genuineness, like those moments where like the genuine kid nature shines, and then on the other yeah. side, it was like there's so much scenes of people talking over each other, and like you have no clue what the hell's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when the kids get their individual moments to shine, they really do. Like Chunk, when he, like that scene we played earlier, Chunk gets that little scene, and that scene you're discussing right there of Corey Feldman, where like, you know, they get their little, little individual moments. And I feel like individually, the beats hit a little bit more when it's the kids all together. Like you said, it's just talking over each other, just chaos. And like, while it's fun chaos, it's still a little bit like confusing, a little bit to follow. So, I mean, that, that's the little like, conundrum I have with this movie, too, where it's just like, I don't know. I kind of like the kids separate uh, more than I did together. <laughs> 100%. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. So this is, I think, an interesting one because it, I think it's Chunk, right? He was. I just thought he was the best performance. He also just had the most standout moments because he was the one that was isolated the most out of all the kids. Like, the rest yeah. of them are all connected the entire movie. And he's the only one that has to try to get the cops to come and then mm. gets partnered with sloth yeah. also I, I, mean, loved, I loved at the end where he gives sloth a hug and he's like you're gonna live with me now we're gonna take care of you and i'm like he definitely didn't run that one past his mom but would she love to see like the fucking like uh like one year later sequel where it's just like them like uh it's sloth and chunk together and just like figuring out like how the fuck that's gonna work out <laughs> oh yeah i mean there is absolutely no way that man whatever he is yeah i kind of like how vague it is that we don't like know what exactly sloth is it, it just deformed whatever i mean i think they kind of hint that like uh what's her name Anne ramsey uh, mama fratelli just dropped him a couple times it was like oh i dropped you like twice <laughs> but dropped I mean, him twice and that means his eye is like by his nose dropped down <laughs> by his nose where some intense is. some intense ass fucking drops i'll say that much uh i think the root Real star of this movie is Joey Pants's hairpiece. <laughs> Joey Pants's hairpiece, yeah, that was a, that was pretty good. I mean, the, we didn't really cover the Fratellis. They were fun, uh, goofy heroes, and like you were kind of saying before, like very Marv and um, and uh, what's the other guy's name in uh, Marvin Al? Marvin Al, yeah, like very much of the Home Alone burglar build. Like you can definitely see the influences on one to the other. Where they are threatening, but they're also idiots and goofy. Yeah. Bumbling, like very slap, they get a lot of slapsticky moments where it just like shit happens where like they slip and fall or rip a lot and stuff like that. So, I mean, Christopher Columbus definitely has some DNA in that where he just likes his villains to be very uh, bumbling. <laughs> well, especially for a kid's movie, like you want yeah. that, like you want to make them laugh and you don't want them to be too scary because you don't want to like terrify your audience. Mm-hmm. 
I thought the the scariest like gag or whatever in the movie was the p with the piano. Like I will say this to the movie's credit, like the set design was really cool. Like from location to location to location, mm-hmm. just down this this um, path. Well, they built like an actual pirate ship. One of the things I thought was so interesting was that apparently um, Richard Darn did not let any of the kids see the um, pirate ship until they filmed the first take, and then they had to scrap the first take because Josh Brolin immediately said, "Holy shit!" and ruined the take. <laughs> yeah, but like I, I guess because they want to keep it PG, um, they yeah. couldn't have shit in there. But uh, like that's like the perfect reaction to it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so what you would say in real life. You're like, what? what the You'd be like, holy shit. Yeah, that's like the perfect kid reaction. But of course, you have to scrap that take. And yep. considering he, you can't, you couldn't even just cut that line of audio and like cut to a different thing because they're I all talking that, over each other. So then you're cutting out like a lot of dialogue. I feel like there are some slight curse words, though. I mean, other than that, uh, in this movie. Yeah, they I mean, said shit a couple, they said yep. shit a couple times. But yeah, there is, so, there I mean, is that it, line of how many shits you can get away with in a PG movie. <laughs> Mm. I want the um, R-rated cut of Goonies. Where it's just like the kids saying fuck, 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 fuck. It's just an episode of It's just an episode of South Park. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's that movie Good Boys that came out a few years oh, ago. Right, with, right. Um, Jacob Tremblay, and that's essentially it. Where it's just like essentially just middle schoolers just being foul mouthed as fuck. <laughs> Which is accurate, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I cursed so much back then i mean i still do but <laughs> yeah i know my I mom, back then my, mom <laughs> my mom uh, critiques it quite a bit she says you need to tone down your cursing thomas i'm sorry mrs yeah, <laughs> yeah she says you know if we want to get if we want to get advertisers in here we got to get yeah. rid of the potty mouth um <laughs> <laughs> well fuck me <laughs> yeah that's right and and we didn't really cover josh brolin um, we had Thanos himself in this movie. Mm. First this role where, ever. This is where he found the Infinity Stone. Did you know that? This is the first Infinity Stone he finds. <laughs> yeah, this is a Thanos origin story right here. <laughs> like, wouldn't that have been amazing if just like he found one of the Infinity Stones in like uh, Infinity War or just on a pirate ship? Just like a nice little knot or something. <laughs> some bullshit like that. <laughs> yeah. You can totally see Marvel, Marvel points some shit like that. Oh, 100%. Like in 10 years when they have to inevitably like bring Thanos back and just back the Brinks truck up to the original Avengers mm. cast and being like, here's $20 million. Like, please come back. <laughs> it's please. just it literally like, it's like Avengers, like 10 or something like that is just like a remake of the Goonies, but like instead like Thanos is just, I, I would watch that. I would watch that without <laughs> even a question. Actually, yeah. that sounds like, that sounds like it'll inevitably be a show called like Avengers Juniors, where it's just the Avengers as kids because they, it's coming at some point. They're, they're making like a young Avengers where it's like all the kids of the Avengers. I know that that's coming up down the line. So, uh, I mean, uh, at a certain point, like after you don't have Robert Downey Jr., you got to fucking uh, stretch your mind a little bit, I guess. <laughs> oh my God. They're going <laughs> to recast Iron Man soon. I just feel it. I don't think Downey Jr. is going to do it again. Outside of maybe like a two-second cameo, but I don't think he wants to do the whole production again. Yeah. But they're just going to recast him. Mm. Yeah, at like, this point, it's just... that's what superhero movies do, though. You know, five years down the line, they're going to do some like bullshit where like Doctor Strange pulls him from like the multiverse of whatever bullshit. At, at this point, <laughs> oh right, yeah. Now that they've opened the multiverse, they can kind of do whatever they want. Yeah. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka.
Tommy, would the Goonies work as a Muppet adaptation? I feel like it would because it's very slapsticky um, in that sense. Where, like you know, I feel like the only people, a person who keep a sloth, <laughs> and just the rest I mean, of Muppets. He's kind, he's kind of a Muppet anyway. Like <laughs> exactly. Makeup on at that point. It's a, yeah, yeah. So Kermit obviously is Sean Astin, and uh, Josh Brolin would be probably Sam the Eagle, um, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, who would that? I want to say it's like Rolf or something. Mm. Very like chill I, I, or whatever. Like like a little chill. Like there's no buff Muppets really. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, well, what's like the big, I always fucking forget his name. The one with like the big nose and like the huge costume. That's just clearly a man in a suit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't. He's not like a main Muppet though. He's not, he's not. Yeah. It, he's not an iconic Muppet. And then you'd have Piggy B. Steph or um, the other girl? Yeah, it, Pig, Piggy would be probably Steph. I guess Steph's more of a complainer, I feel like. So that like, kind of like, yeah. makes and so then, much sense for Piggy. And then you'd have Janice be the other one. There's also not that many female Muppets. It's a lot of dude Muppets. Yeah, come on. Diversify uh, Muppets. <laughs> if we take one thing from our podcast. Mm. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it, it would work with the slapstick. Like, I, like you could have like Waldorf be Mama, Mama Fratelli. Mm-hmm. Like you could just have one of them be like the old curmudgeoned lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would work. I think it would work. It would be hard. It would be hard to execute. But I think, you know, I I think this genuinely works better in like an Avengers Junior kind of setting. Unfortunately, like dead ass. Like I keep I keep here seeing thinking that I'm like that would work 100. percent they're definitely i think there's already a show like that where it's just like avengers but like they're little kids or something like that like muppet babies it's, it's yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm that's what i'm thinking they're all like just 10 year old kids and it's on disney channel or whatever yeah <laughs> some fucking 10 year old shit yeah so um but muppet adaptation i think maybe a maybe. little bit yeah. yeah all right tommy review time give me your score out of five all right uh so I did like this movie. It was very charming, um, but there was a little problem sometimes with the kids. Like we said, we're talking multiple times throughout this episode that they were kept on talking over each other and you couldn't understand what the fuck was happening. So it was charming. Um, I'm going to go like a 3.5 out of five. Um, so, I mean, good little direction, little fun, entertaining plot. I, I could definitely see if I saw this when I was like five years old, I probably would have said 4.5 out of five. But for now, I saw it as a 28 year old guy. So 3.5. I think I'm going to go three. I, I see three out of stars out of five. I see the charm. I see the appeal of the movie. I am just too old to truly connect with this movie. Like there is just a point of exploration in terms of connection with a movie like the Goonies. Mm-hmm. And we are unfortunately like past, past that point to, mm-hmm. to be introduced to this movie. Like you, I think you just need that memory of the first time you see them going down that slide and seeing the, the uh, pirate ship. And just being like, oh my god, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like you said, you would have given it a 4.5 out of 5. Tom, you would have said, that was the most bestest, amazingest movie ever. If you saw this at 5, you would not have given it. Yeah. Uh, you would not have put it on a point system. Yeah. You just been like, this movie's amazing. <laughs> Fun movie, good score, um, good direction, like good set design, like cool booby traps and stuff like that. Like, it, it's fun. It's just, it's hard to connect to a movie that genuinely feels like kids 
talking because it's just it's messy and then there's just like five minutes at a time where you're just like I, I don't know I don't I can't understand what's happening here I don't know so I think this would definitely go up a star if uh, we were listening to subtitles probably like half a star. <laughs> I, I think I would have still kept it three out of five because I imagine the subtitles are even just as messier. You like, mean three out of five? Yes, yeah, it's, it's where I have it. It's, I think it would stay the same with subtitles for me. Yeah, Like I would like to watch this with like when I have a kid, like when they're seven, I would like to mm-hmm. watch the Goonies with them and yeah, then see their, their reaction and live. Yeah, see it through their eyes where they are going to connect with it more. Whereas I am not going to connect with it because I'm just like, this is silly and it's fun, but I kind of wish they would just kind of talk one at a time, maybe two at a time instead of six at a time. You fucking kids. (laughs) You just, you just hate kids, man. (laughs) That's my my takeaway from it. But anyway, that was the Goonies. Tommy. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, so final thought on this movie is that Kihi Kwan uh, said that the actor who played Chunk, um, Jeff Cohen, is apparently his entertainment lower. So, I mean, that's a nice little connection. So uh, Kihi Kwan is going back in spotlight for everything everyone at once. But anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on uh, social media at Pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And uh, leave us a five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever your podcast really helps us out. And, you know, we're going to be figuring out our February schedule, probably going to be uh, packed with a bunch of good rom-coms. So can't wait. Thank you guys all so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.